be decisive, move swiftly. But if you made a mistake, learn from that, pivot and incorporate that for the next play. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Modern Business Operations. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Michael, who is the Senior Director of Strategy and Operations at Twilio. Thank you for joining us, Michael. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Definitely my pleasure. Well, we're we're big on operations here, and you know, Twilio is an amazing success story. Why don't we start with a quick background of, you know, how did you get to lead uh, strategy and operations at Twilio? So, you know, background a little diverse, not you know, necessarily your typical path to operations. I started my career in New York, a little bit of banking. From there, moved to DC, uh, worked in kind of policy. The biggest experience from those two journeys kind of taught me a lot about kind of you know, no matter what sector you were in, it was so important to kind of create the right type of orchestration to reach an endpoint. So banking, you know, getting something, you know, from like a customer's perspective, you know, working through the system in order to get them something or, you know, in policy, it was fascinating working kind of in the affordable housing policy sector, trying to get something, you know, approved by the federal government, housing urban development, and you're talking about massive funding initiatives, you know, just going through that process, you know, having very crisp orchestration so critical to being successful. And so I took a lot away from those experiences, went on to study applied economics. That was super fascinating to me. That helped me, I think, think in terms of just variables, which I think is critical for, you know, what I've leveraged in terms of like, you know, in operations, trying to think about what are the input variables, what are we trying to drive to as an output. And so then took those experiences, you know, randomly, my wife and I decided to move to San Francisco um, about nine, nine years ago. About seven and a half years ago, came upon this uh, company that was about 300 people at the time, was doing cloud platform communications as a service. I never heard of this space. It was pre-IPO and the team needed someone to come in and kind of work through the logistics of international expansion. You know, how do we approach that? How do we orchestrate that? You know, very much an ops role. You know, from there, quite a journey. Bounced around kind of in the finance team and the ops team. Um, But at the heart of it, always doing some sort of operational work. I think that anyone out there that is kind of in those early stage companies knows that you, uh, you wear a lot of hats. The business operations you know, role is, uh, it's, you know, what's the special project of the day? It's a little bit about the background, how I ended up there. And uh, you know, from there, took on multiple roles within Twilio. And uh, you know, now we're, gosh, 300 people at the time. Now we're about 8,000 people over the course of about seven and a half years. So That is incredible. We've been talking to folks from different parts of the industry in different levels. And I got to say, every time, it's a similar reaction of, this is not a traditional way, maybe, but it's fascinating to me. Actually, I have to you know, ask you about that because policymaking to tech, one of the, of the better success stories of, the, of, of this decade, what's similar, what's completely different? With the policy work, it's funny, it depends on, I think, maybe the nature of the business. But with the policy work, you were constantly working with kind of federal agencies, a lot of regulation involved, you know, and Twilio, given the space that they're in, you know, partially telecommunications and how you leverage that infrastructure as a way to kind of create customer engagement. There's a lot of similarity there in terms of trying to, you needed to have a deep understanding of kind of the the regulatory nature of the work. And, you know, being able to understand that you were able to kind of 
put forward new ideas. The same with the policy work. We were able to create policy products that would help change the dynamic in terms of funding and structure for affordable housing developments. Twilio, you know, similar thread there. Like, how can you understand the existing regulatory structure and create new products that were able to kind of leverage that in a way to, you know, create customer engagement and experiences uh, for our end users. So it's really about the change, the, the existing to the future state type of thing. And it doesn't really matter whether, I think this is the power of really, you know, distill down the fundamentals and, and realizing that we can learn so much from, you know, from the different industries, because it's all about people at the end of the day that we're trying to. Absolutely. And it comes back to a little bit of what I was talking about, kind of what I give, I was so enjoyed was the education around economics and how it, you know, it teaches you to think in terms of variables, like what are all these inputs that are going to drive to an outcome? So, yeah, I mean, breaking those down, I think what was really fascinating to me about Twilio, I learned a ton about was just the API approach. Now, at the time, I, you know, coming from policy, I didn't know much about that, but putting building blocks into people's hands to build, you know, to build things, what an incredible approach to anything, but obviously to that sector. So, Fast forward, you know, like you mentioned it, 300 people to over 8,000, very different companies, <laughs> A 300 people company and 8,000 people company. I think especially in that side of the org around operations, what are the maybe the, the biggest takeaways that you've seen, like how you guys had to change the operations to scale that? Or what is the, maybe the sort of the, the cornerstones to, to that type of scale? Gosh, where to start? You know, <laughs> we used to kind of joke that, you know, at any point in time over the course of those many years, you know, half the company had only been there a year <laughs> because of the growth, right? And so you start to think about kind of, you know, the incredible talent and the culture, how it evolves. Like uh, the big question we kept asking ourselves is, you know, how do you, how do you set those folks up for success such that we can learn from them? And so, yes, the, the company is a very different company today than it was then. You look across any of the teams that were involved in operations, and I can talk a little bit about our team, but, you know, just how could you find ways to more quickly kind of enhance, you know, the onboarding, get folks set up for success so that we could learn and they could do their work. One thing that I certainly focused on, I took over the M&A integration team at Twilio. When I started, it was just me, grew that team to about 40 people across the company um, over the course of three years. And just, you know, the inorganic growth, bringing in that growth in terms of new people. And, you know, that was like a whole nother different way to kind of grow, right? And you'd bring in large groups of people. And the question we kept struggling with was, you know, how do you build extensibility into everything, right? So that you can more quickly ingest and unlock the value of, of great new talent. And so we, you know, constantly thought about that extensibility, right? And the thing that I think was also really powerful was that you learned so much about your own organic constraints, when you would bring another company in, right? It taught you a lot. And so we also kind of approached that, like a big takeaway for me was when you were growing and scaling constantly, like how are we learning and evolving? How are we taking the best of both? And so from an M&A perspective, we would always ask that question. What can we learn from the acquired teams and the acquired companies? And so how can we build kind of the mechanisms of extensibility, not just from like a platform perspective, right? Or a technology perspective, but also from a people perspective, right? How do they have the forums to kind of share their thoughts how do we create the right kind of, you know, debates to kind of make the right kind of decisions? This is fascinating, especially 
if I connect the dots with, you know, Twilio as a, you know, from an API perspective is really sort of like pushing for extensibility in, in, as a concept and you bring that concept into operation. And I think this is, a, this is a really, I don't know if, 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 if there's enough talks about how not trivial it is to integrate different cultures when you, you know, when you do, when you do an m and how operations is really as much as a culture as it is a science. So much of it is about who are you people? What do you like? Oh my what gosh, you- <laughs> absolutely. No, you're, uh, you're absolutely right. You know, I think we used to think about kind of what were the key value drivers to any sort of deal? Like what was, you know, what would a company when you were acquiring another company, what was the key value you were trying to unlock? And, you know, we used to think about that in terms of like, okay, what was the, what was the product value, right? What was the go-to-market value, you know? And then people was the third pillar. At the end of the day, it comes down to people and talent. And here you have this, you know, this big group of talent, right? Who they didn't make the decision themselves to join Twilio, right? As a lot of other folks who come in organically do. And so the question was really, you know, how do you unlock that value? And how do you learn and create like a cultural roadmap for them to, you know, join the company, not only feel like they're welcomed and becoming a Twilion, but like Twilio itself is learning and growing in our culture and our practices from the, the, that team. We spent a lot of time thinking about kind of, okay, what are the mechanisms from a people perspective, right? How quickly can we onboard them? How quickly can we kind of capture their learnings to make, to drive betterments to Twilio? And what I'll say is that, you know, no one is a great acquirer, like right out of the gate. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, this is a journey that you learn on, you know, for me, I think that what I, one of the big takeaways was, you know, success was not always about getting it right the first time. Success was really, it came down to kind of like what, what I call like speed to betterments. You know, how quickly could you capture your lessons learned and then incorporate those into kind of your operations, you know, and pivot, right? And so another key learning for me was, you know, that whole concept of speed to betterments. How quickly can we, you know, the operational, you know, structure, the mechanism, the program that we have today, how quickly can we pivot that to build for what we've learned? And that was like, I think, critical in terms of how we would, how quickly you get better at something and, and, you know, and do it better. And at the end of the day, unlock the value of the acquisition faster. I'm a massive believer in those core pillars, right? It's, it's really about the people. It's really about, I love, you know, when you talk about the extensibility or the sort of the speed for betterment is, it's really about, you, you know, you mentioned it's, a, it's being able to be adaptive, being able to sort of cross pollinate it even goes back to that concept of of change. If all we do really is, is is trying to manage change in a positive way, so when you compare the the post change to the pre change, you're in a net positive. You know, this is things we talk a lot about here. What was some of the tactics or some of the tools or some of the mental tools or technical tools or or just even literally best practices that you guys found? that are top of mind for you, you know, that you can share? Yeah, sure. I'll start maybe like kind of a little bit philosophically and then kind of dive into some of like the more tactics and specifics. But, you know, for me, what I learned was to really kind of be successful there. How could you create a environment of inclusivity of thought? Because you talk about the change, right? And it's not only like the change you're managing for an acquired employee, but it's also kind of Twilio broadly. How are we changing and learning? 
Um, and so as a leader in the ops space, you're constantly working like cross-functionally across multiple different teams, right? It's, it's, you never, you rarely kind of just have your one team, right? You're constantly influencing, bringing in other folks and managing these big cross-functional programs. And, you know, and so for me, like as a leader there, I constantly was trying to think about every time I was in a meeting, was I creating an environment of inclusive thinking? Not only such that I was asking questions, trying to extract the information such that we can make the right decision, but how are like other people in the room seeing that in a way that I'm empowering them to be inclusive as well in terms of their thinking? And so we, you know, from like a base principle standpoint, we tried to, you know, we always tried to think about that. You know, tactically, how did we manage that change and kind of empower that change? You know, what we did was we built, you know, very specific playbooks around kind of what that people onboarding journey looked like. You know, in my role, we worked with the, you know, the people organization. We worked with the finance organization. We worked with the real estate organization. We worked with the IT organization. In each of those teams, we would work with them to build individual playbooks that they have that would connect back centrally to kind of make sure that we said, okay, look, what is our checklist on day one that we need to do, right? You know, we need to like bring everyone together. We need to talk about kind of the value we need to talk about why we're doing this so people understood what we were doing and why we wanted them to be a part of this vision. And then from there, like specifics in terms of like real estate, making sure that on day one, you have your badge, right? And you're just able to show up and you're a Twilion and you're able to do your work, right? So tactically, we built kind of this interconnected, you know, M&A ecosystem of playbooks that were functionally owned. And like I said, coming back to what I said earlier, three years ago, it was just me. There was no one else, right? And so we started, you know, thinking across the company, prioritizing where are the big pillars of work that need to be done within the company? And so we're like, we need to hire someone within the people organization. We need to hire someone within the IT organization, right? That can spend their time focusing on this stuff. And that's the way that we thought about kind of scaling that overall interconnected program. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. How much of it was pre-Themine? I'm just curious, like profiling the team as a fit or as a better fit or, or less of a fit versus, you know, post-decision so like trying to adapt the, you know, the current playbook. There's always, you know, involvement of that stuff. Absolutely. Interestingly, or, or maybe not surprisingly, you know, first time we did it, you know, it was more of an afterthought in terms of like, oh, we've got to make sure this is done right. But, you know, I'll give you an example. Like we probably sat there and we said, what are their core values? Right. And like, oh, their values align with our values. So that should be simple. But what we didn't do is we didn't go deeper. We didn't say, okay, how do they make decisions? How are they, you know, orchestrated in terms of their taking a product to market, right? What are these like deeper fundamental aspects of a business that can be different? And, you know, once we learned that, you know, those were the right kind of questions, the nuanced questions to ask, then we made it a part of diligence, right? We wanted to get a deep perspective on that. Cultural involvement of Twilio with another culture, you know, it's so critical to success. We learned that we had to ask those nuanced questions, build kind of a, a understanding such that going into the deal, then we could orchestrate a roadmap that really was attuned to kind of those nuanced differences. 
what's intriguing to me when you think about something like M&A, which maybe, you know, for folks in the audience that do not fully understand what that means, you know, merger and acquisition when one company sort of acquire or merge with a different company. And then all of a sudden, as, as you mentioned, the company that get acquired is, one, you know, a day before they were company, you know, A, and now they're like company B. Yeah. And and then they need to follow the structure of company of the new company, but and many times they stay sort of isolated, and you sort of like want to integrate them. So just a little bit of you know context for maybe folks who doesn't fully understand or aware of, of of that sort of motion. But I think what's interesting about it is that it's almost like a micro cosmos, you know, on the extreme of what happens really on a, on a day to day basis in companies, in societies, really is where, you know, the rule is really derived by sort of the common majority, if you will. I just like, this is how we do things. And there's always going to be part of the group that doesn't, this doesn't fit fully for them. You know, some things, you know, we want that to be the case, right? We want, you know, moral type of values to be shared across the group. Otherwise they cannot, you know, they cannot be morally accepted, but the, some things are not necessarily productive. A good example I like to come back to is all the chat systems like Slack and Microsoft Teams and so on versus email. There was almost like this like thing against email, where like email is the worst thing. But like this is obviously some people prefer that. Where is the productivity gain? Stop being productivity because it's counter effective. And I think it happens all the time, but it happens in, in small teams or, or individuals, and it happens gradually where you have, you know, hard time rolling new change because you get resistant. And so, you know, you kind of go through the uh, through that motion. Where in M&A, it's almost like night and day, right? Because all of a sudden, you know, this is how they worked before. And now, like, this is how the acquirer works. You know, you need to bridge that. So from your experience, I get, you know, it's a long way of asking how much of the processes the tooling, the way you work was forced onto, you know, the new team or over time, did you change your policy about like how much do you force and how much do you let, you know, let people continue to do, you know, the way that they, you know, that they jive with? Yeah. You know, it's an interesting question because again, returning to kind of that point around kind of, you know, inclusivity, right? We, we didn't want to force certain practices I think, you know, there were, there was kind of like a, there was a change curve, right? We said like, okay, well, these are the systems that Twilio uses and there are certain systems you're just going to get access to, right? And, and there's that kind of like learning curve in terms of like, does, in, you know, an acquired employee, does it, I think it's more about an acquired team, right? Does an acquired team like want to work in that way? For some of those more tactical things, you know, I think that you can use whatever you want, right? We provide the tools and that's, you know, there are certain practices that you must follow. Some are more rigorous, like, you know, okay, like <laughs> now you can't sign like a purchase order, right? You know, but what we tried to create was kind of still this like, you know, small team autonomy and, you know, making sure that like the ways that you worked, could you can continue to work that way, right? The things that were important to people. I'm not sure that no one ever, I, that I met ever died on the hill in terms of like uh, Microsoft Teams versus uh, Zoom, right? It was more about kind of, wanting to continue the the practice of, you know, how they came together, how they met, you know, finding similarities in terms of their values and the ways they worked with ours. So for those, you know, again, I think what I said earlier, right, at the end of the day, these things come down to people. And so we really tried to allow that 
subculture, if you will, to thrive. Going back real quick to the previous couple points, especially around the speed, you know, that you mentioned. What was maybe some of the things that you that you think are the biggest variable or factors into having a slow versus having a fast motion to you know to get better and to and to improve? Because like you said, there's no success is not like a a bullion. Yeah, I'll give you an example, right? Like it's easier for the acquired company to uh, you know to probably just implement certain practices they already have. But I think what we we really wanted to learn and make sure that we took that approach. And, and so, you know, to answer your question, it was really about like setting, like just setting the base principles up front. We wanted to learn. So basically, you know, when you, when you set those kind of from a base principle standpoint, we always used to say like, take the best of both from a base principle standpoint. And so when you set that mindset going into things, like you might make a decision, right. But if you don't have that base principle, you might stick with that decision, even if it's creating friction, right? If you're, you're like, well, look, at the end of the day, like you just have to like absorb, you have to go on to RERP or you know, whatever it is, right? But if you kind of set that base principle up front and, you know, you yourself as the leader, and I would often do this is I would, you know, early in the process, if I had made a mistake, I would make that pretty visible, right? And like, say like, okay, you know what? That was wrong. We've learned because of this. Now we're going to pivot and do this, right? And actually going forward for the next deal, Let's make sure that we apply this kind of approach to that decision. And we do that in a visible way so that folks realized it was totally okay, right? And, and that's how we should be thinking. And so that would kind of ripple through the ecosystem. And so that, you know, if you go down to something as simple as kind of like an onboarding aspect of kind of HR, right? Then it was like, okay, well, actually, what do you do? What, what is your process from as an acquired team, right? And so then decisions became more kind of two in the box, what we would call it, Right. One person from the acquired team, one person from the from Twilio, and you know, with that kind of base principle, it set that mindset um, to kind of learn, be decisive, move swiftly. But if you made a mistake, learn from that, pivot, and incorporate that for the next play. Iterate. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> much more eloquent. But yeah, yeah. As operational leaders out there, it was all about kind of you know creating that visibility that you want to be decisive. You could make a mistake, and you could pivot because you could learn. Once you set that mindset, that just paid off in terms of like, how are we do it? And also like in terms of, again, coming back to the point we made before, it's all about the people, the acquired teams would see that. And that would like create, you know, for them kind of a, you know, understanding that like Twilio did want to learn and they wanted to be part of that kind of a culture, right? That did iterate that. So I think that was valuable as well. You know, what I love about this, and especially for the listeners, is kind of the point I was trying to make earlier. This is a microcosmos. This is something you can, if you if you draw a, a larger lesson here, that's applied to any change you're trying to make from an operation perspective. L- literally any change should be, and I love the two in a box thing. I think that's actually a like a, a simple, super simple visual way to imagine it. Yeah. And instead of thinking about, you know, let's take, a, you know, there's a finance team that is trying to create a new process that that affects you know, the sales team. Or there's a legal team that's trying to make a change into the process that affects the finances. It doesn't matter. Like you, you know, you, mostly, as you mentioned, operation teams are responsible for the cross-functional type of processes. And so you make a change or you want to make a change, you want to make an improvement that's going to affect you know, someone else. Too often, it, it's not done the way you mentioned it. it it's not done in a 
to in a box way of like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna keep the best of everything. We're not gonna override one thing for the sake of another thing. We're gonna try to find the best. That's right. And you're right. We've been talking very high level about it. But honestly, at the end of the day, what we started doing was that, and this was like an early mistake that I had made where I was like, okay, well, this person from Twilio is going to make the decision. You know, I realized in a visible way that that was not, you know, the right way to do it. And so what we started doing, the speed to betterments, right? For every other acquisition, we would put up a diagram and we would say, okay, who's the lead from Twilio? Who's the lead from, you know, the acquired company under the finance umbrella? Same with thing with IT. And we would literally, use that very simple two-in-the-box model and draw it out so everyone understood that there was kind of a collaborative uh, approach there between those two leaders. Yeah, and I wish and I wish just even within companies where the sales ops person and the, and the finance ops person would think about that process in a two-in-a-box iterative way, understanding that, yeah, finance needs this change for the books, end of, end of period, but the salespeople has to be part of it otherwise it's not gonna be there so you know how do we kind of create the format and the practice that is sort of benefits both and, and and something i like to call think about the personal roi of the yeah. different people involved and then use your concept of you know try it make it invisible way if there's a failure pivot and, and sort of continue from there i think this is a great lesson for any operation practice it's just an extreme situation when it's an M&A, but it happens everywhere. Absolutely. I think it's one of the greatest things I've learned over my tenure at Twilio. You know, again, it comes back to that, just creating that inclusive environment. That's great. That's an amazing place, I think, to, to wrap this session. I think this was extremely useful. I always like to ask if people want to learn more, maybe chat about this, you know, maybe kind of follow you further. Where can they find you? Is it Twitter or LinkedIn? Yeah, absolutely. And happy to continue that dialogue. LinkedIn is great. Twitter is great as well. But yeah, either way, through either of those channels, uh, happy to continue that dialogue with uh, any of the listeners. Awesome. Well, Michael, that was a blast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, a real pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Good talk. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at talking.com slash M-B-O-P-O-D. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes.